This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's October 6th with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. I'm Tim Priester. And we start the preview of Notre Dame, Florida State. We don't have the typical recap of the previous week's game. It'll be three weeks between games for Notre Dame. They scrimmaged on Sunday. Brian Kelly talked about wanting to get his defense tackling and getting the timing between his starting quarterback, Ian Book, and the receiving core. Uh, but it's still a little bit disjointed because seven players remained in isolation for in quarantine as of Monday. Norton gets Kyle Hamilton, Kevin Austin, Ben Skronik back, but still a bit of a disjointed Norton football team heading into Florida State week. It's been 17 days since we've had something to talk about on the field. So, you know, it, there was no chance – they could completely return to normalcy, but I thought Brian Kelly made a good point. Like, look, this is we're, we're got to treat it as business as usual because unless you're missing your offensive lineman and Ian Book, you can go play. You honestly can go play, or I, I guess your entire defensive line. You you can go play football, and that's where Notre Dame is right now. They're they're healthy enough to play Florida State. I I don't want to harp on Notre Dame's COVID issues, but I remain shocked that Wake Forest and South Florida and Florida State, Duke, and nobody else has had any COVID issues that stopped them from playing football this year. It's just strange to me. I. I guess my my biggest impression from Kelly is like we've all sat in hundred Brian Kelly press conferences and very rarely does he ever express concern about anything. Um, and even rarer is it will he make the point multiple times? But I mean, man, he has said a lot. How man, this two weeks off, never had yeah. to do this before. You know, I don't know tackling timing. I don't know what we're gonna look like. Like. I get a sense that he he is worried about how they're going to look on Saturday. Uh, and he is very – it's not that he, he shouldn't be, but it's just rare for him to actually sort of admit that. Do you guys get the feeling that is focused a lot on the offense, the timing and everything, and that you would think the defense would probably be okay settling in after a series? Well, yeah, I mean, I think most of the time when he expresses an opinion like that, it's coming from an offensive perspective, you know, mm -hmm. because that, that's what side of the ball he's on. And I think that he has a lot of trust and obviously, and for good reason, in Clark Lee. Um, although, you know, there may be some COVID issues along Nordings defensive line going into this game. So, um, you know, COVID meaning uh, – tracing uh, uh, contact tracing as well so but I think most often that's him offensively and I mean I had heard that it wasn't really a great day for the passing game on Sunday in the scrimmage I don't have any great details about that other than a comment and, and uh, so yeah that'll worry that'll worry a head coach especially when Florida State <laughs> I mean they showed at least they showed a revival in the last game and scored 34 of the last 37 points with a quarterback that clearly gave them a spark that they weren't getting from uh, Blackman and Rodemaker. So, you know, I get it. You don't know who's going to be there on a daily basis. He didn't have everybody on Monday. Um, I get the perspective of a coach when you're guessing every day as to what your personnel is going to be. Yeah. I just, it's uh, I think, you know, you make that point about the defensive line. There's, you know, something he said yesterday uh, was essentially like, if you, if you are a positive case, then you know, maybe you get 50% of the snaps that you would play uh, in a game. Well, for a defensive lineman, that, that becomes a quarter of the snaps in the game right. because right. they're rotating halfway already. So I, I'm not entirely sure like what that looks like. Does that, does that mean that, you know, Riley Mills, Aiden Kaonaina and, you know, uh, Jordan Botello and, 
you know, the, you know, Alexander Arnsberger are going to play 25 snaps because like they, they have to play everyone to, to meet some sort of snap threshold. I, I don't know. I, I guess like a priest, you're totally right that Kelly's perspective is offensively, but he can count uh, snaps on defense. You know, that's, that's just a math question. And like, yeah, these numbers don't really add up the way that I would like them to if I'm a head coach. Yeah. I mean, he just doesn't know. Like you say, well, yeah. does that mean 25 snaps? I, he, he can't even know that right now. That, that's what, that's what makes it difficult, but I don't think there's any doubt that it's all hands on deck. We saw an adjustment on the depth chart with, with Riley Mills. He needs to be prepared to play. Um, you know, I think, I mean, this is, it really kind of plays in the Notre Dame wants to develop depth and they're, they're putting, being put in a position where they really have no choice and it's, it's worked for them uh, defensively. They're trying to do it more offensively. Can't do it, like you said, on the offensive line. Uh, but it's just a it's a guessing game. And, and from a coach's perspective, when you don't when you don't know what buttons you can push, it scares you. And it, yeah, addition to what Pete's point about number of snaps, what do those snaps look like for the four seconds that they're in there? I mean, what if those defensive linemen? are 75% of their ability when they're taking those 30 snaps in a game or 12 snaps in a game. I mean, you know, you're not just because you're back and, and cleared and then you go through a three-day process, that doesn't mean you're a good football player again. So I, I'm sure that there's many questions. The key, I believe, is we, we don't think any of the five starting offensive linemen have been impacted by this. So that is what Notre Dame can forever ride as long as they have those five guys. Yeah, I mean, because like – I'm you know, the example we just talked about was the defensive lineman, how that rotation will work. Like you don't rotate offensive linemen. You don't rotate quarterbacks in an ideal world. Like what about positions where you really only play one guy? I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what this is going to look like on, on Saturday night. Um, well, if and when it hits, Florida state's terrible. So yeah, if, and when it hits the offensive line, now we're dealing with a completely different thing because as yes. you say, Pete, I mean, that is, that's the one area where you don't play, uh, you know, more than one and, and, and at a position. And, and certainly with Notre Dame's quarterback situation and inexperience behind Ian Book, you don't want to have to play, uh, you know, somebody other than him. But, um, you know, he was compromised a little bit in practice here leading up to this game. So you really don't know for sure. I mean, we can go back and forth about what what we don't know and what they don't know, but that that's just the situation they're in. What they do know is that, Kyle Hamilton is back and they kept him out of the scrimmage on Sunday to make sure that he would be back for this Saturday. Kevin Austin is back uh, 15 to 20 snaps. Sounds about right. Um, you know, I, th I think the Nordain fan base doesn't think that Ben Skronik can add anything to this Nordain football team based upon one half of, of football against Duke. And we saw when he pulled up with the hamstring injury that prevented him from playing the rest of the game, but he may have tweaked it before that. That may have impacted anything that he did during his brief time on the field in the first half against Duke. It sounded like he did because there was a curious comment. I actually have to go back and read it where somebody mentioned, actually it was a player. It might've been Joe Wilkins in his interview said, you know, when, when Ben's hamstring is bothering him. Well, okay. So it was, yeah. So it was already probably was bothering him before he, right. he injured it on that place. I mean, so. this is a guy, he caught 110 passes in Northwestern. I, I, I'm not saying he's Kevin Austin but he's definitely a guy that can help their, their offense when he's healthy. Yeah, no, it's, I, you know, in the summer, I felt like Skoranek was going to be a serious player on this offense. Like him leading the team in catches was realistic. Um, 
it may still be at the receiver position, but um, yeah, cer- certainly his debut. <laughs> they're they're was, all open for that. Yeah, yeah, his debut even in a half was not what I expected. Um, you know, and the, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but the receiver position is just at least they have all bullets in the chamber right now. Um, yeah. That's a big difference from where they've been because it's like even Kelly's admission that Lindsey wasn't 100% when he did play against South Florida. You know, it's okay. They've been without Keys, without Lindsey, without Skoranek, without Austin. Um, you know, uh, McKinley is essentially like a blocker uh, who's playing receiver. You know, Joe Wilkins is is permanent in a perpetual state of banged upness. Um, you know, so he's <laughs> never going to be totally healthy. So it's just this is as healthy as they're probably ever going to be at that position. Well, and it's not like they went into this season saying, "Okay, wide receivers a strength." I mean, there, there were I, there yeah. were a ton of question marks with the group to begin with. And then Austin gets hurt during the summer. So you take away clearly what you consider to be your, your top weapon at wide receiver. And then Skronik pulls up lame and Lindsay's banged up. And you know, it was a, it was a question mark area to begin with. And then when you start taking away the guys that were projected as the starters, now you're dealing with second and, and third teamers and it's going to be disjointed. I think if you, let's say they play, they play so much two tight ends and, and two running backs that, you figure about 120 snaps for the wide receivers, all told 150. Davon McKinley will probably play 60 snaps, and the rest of the guys will fill out those 60 to 80 snaps, the other six receivers. And Pete, you're right. He is a blocker right now. He's a really good one, so that helps mm-hmm. out. And Notre Dame wants to run the ball, and he augments that. Davon McKinley augments the offense with his blocking better than any single wide receiver on the team right now helps the team with his pass catching, which is not a compliment. No. no, but it's a compliment to McKinley, but it's not a compliment to anybody else. But it's now, and it, it, I mean, it allows them to. I mean, it's uh, many times it's the equivalent of having three tight ends on the yeah. field because he's blocked so effectively. He's not 245 or 255, but he blocks very effectively at that. So, um, let's uh, let, let's end segment one with that. We'll be back with uh, questions burning up the boards in segment two. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com. This is segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from, I think this is first question ever, Wash ND. (laughs) Just kidding. Does Florida State perhaps find a living (laughs) brain? Let me start that again. Does Florida State perhaps finding a living, breathing quarterback alter your view of the game Saturday, or do you still expect a runaway for Notre Dame? Jordan Travis is the uh, quarterback that Florida State has settled upon for the time being. He did very well against Jacksonville State. Uh, Tim, is he a living, breathing quarterback? He is, and as we can all agree, if this were four and a half years ago, it would alter our view of who would win the game against Notre Dame, but fortunately Clark Lee is in place and he handles living, breathing quarterbacks. Um, it alters my view of how badly Notre Dame would absolutely bundle them if they tried to go out there with Rotomaker or, I mean, James Blackman just keeps you in the game for about a quarter and a half and then you lose by eight, four touchdowns. So it does alter my view. It doesn't change the outcome or the fourth quarter outcome for me. But The, Rod- the Rotomaker kid was, oh, did, was, a de- was a deer in headlights. Can you share what you said to me on text? What, you what, did, I, what did I say? What did I say? Eric Chappelle. <laughs> yeah, it was Eric Chappelle against USC at USC. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Pete, what do you think? I I feel like Notre Dame is not going to score at a at a rate that you would expect them to score this weekend. But I think 
Florida State's production will be unchanged with Louisville transfer. Yeah. Unchanged, though? You think, I mean, it could be so much worse without him, right? No, I, I, I don't think it's. No, you don't think so? Okay. Well, I, I think he gives them, well, first of all, I want to say this. He could have been picked at least twice against Jacksonville State and was not for various reasons. There might have been a third one in there, but I know at, at least two. So if Notre Dame doesn't pick this guy once or twice, they, I, I'm just saying they absolutely should. What he does do is he runs that slow developing read option kind of similar to Wake Forest, only he prefers to keep it as opposed to Wake Forest likes to put the hands in the running back and let him decide uh, and, and make moves off what the offensive line does in that delayed. But but he at least gives them some some stability. And really, I mean, what I thought of when I was watching him was it's kind of like Jerkovic. I mean, what he's done at BC, when he's on the field and he's playing well, the people around him can feel it and they feed off of that. And I think that, albeit against Jacksonville State, I think that's what would happen with Florida State last week. And Venturini, gut feeling, the 20-plus point spread against Florida State just feels too big. I know they've looked brutal, but the talent is legit, and the new coaching likely will get some traction eventually. I'm taking the points. Thoughts? I would either – I mean, I just, Notre Dame is just too unpredictable coming off a three-week layoff and then not knowing what the COVID situation is. I would either take the points or not take the game. From a, from a better standpoint, that's right. kind of how I, I look at this. Is Notre Dame better – could it turn out to – could it be like it was two years ago? Yeah, I guess. But Notre Dame, was, Notre Dame was pushing to a playoff spot at that point, and they weren't dealing with any of the things that they're dealing with now. Well, Book was hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would, probably, I would agree with you on that. It's like I, I would either stay away from this one at all or just take the points because, like I say, I don't think – I can see Notre Dame winning 28-3. to three pretty easily right um yeah at, at that point you've covered it but you're still like complaining about the offense if you're Notre yeah Dame. if this were if this was a, a a normal notre dame defense you know you could say okay 10 17 but like i said you start with with uh with clark lee when you're facing a good offense you start at 17 and work your way to either side this is not a good good offense right now they still have terry at receiver they do have weapons at receiver they do have a bunch of running backs that can do some things. And that's why I think Jordan Travis, if he can direct things a little bit for their offense, might be able to give them a little bit of traction. I have two logical thoughts for wagering on the game. Number one, wait until an hour and a half before the game when Notre Dame announces who is not available, because that makes a big difference these days. And you'll know for sure who's not playing. And then add to that, some guys will be limited from being in isolation, just getting back. And number two is you figure if Notre Dame's defense is healthy and Notre Dame's offense is healthy, they win this game 38 to 10, 35 to 10. Neither one might be true. So just crunch it a little bit. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, sure it does. Sure it does. And you can find out who's out. Don't bet yet on Notre Dame. They'll announce who's out <laughs> 90 minutes. That's probably the most sage advice of all. Well, I mean, betting anywhere in college football today right. is. But ND will at least announce it, what's going on. Other teams right. don't announce who's out. And, and you will hear from us on our message board or Twitter or whatever. Uh, question from the Justin Wise: What skills does Jordan Travis have that James Blackman doesn't? Can he can he exploit some part of Notre Dame's defense? 
He's probably being redundant here. I don't know how bad he is because I've seen James Blackman be bad since like 2013. So I'm, I think that's part of what Jordan Travis has. He can run and we don't know what's wrong with him yet. There's a chance that he has a heartbeat and lung capacity. So he could be living and breathing. James Blackman, I believe, is deceased. <laughs> yeah, but he's still, if you saw Rodemaker play last week, he's still the second best option. <laughs> I mean, at some point, it's State is a quarterback yeah. who's like Louisville transfer. Well, that doesn't sound very good. But also, he was behind James Blackman. Like, how good can this guy actually be? <laughs> well, it was interesting because, like, after the game, Norvell started talking about, oh, what Jordan Travis has done in practice. Well, not not enough for you to have elevated him. I mean, he, start, yeah. he obviously started right. season 13, right? So yes. it couldn't have been a whole lot. But I, I think he'll, he'll, uh, He'll have a fairly long leash considering their quarterback situation heading into this game. Dip 98, uh, your instant – oh, sorry, Tim. No, go ahead. Dip 98, your instant analysis mentioned Jack Kaiser's omission for the depth chart. Could be for any number of reasons. With a few more hours since, has any further insight come your way? Do you expect him to start? Go ahead, Tim. Answer your own question. We don't expect him to start. Because um, if you're not on the two deep, Brian Kelly's not preparing you to start right there anyway, unless there was an oversight. But we have heard that he will not be available this weekend at all, which really means he wouldn't start. But it, it, yeah, you know, well, there's no way of starting now. <laughs> um, I guess the question is now, since we don't think he's available or don't believe he's available, do you think he would have started healthy? I feel like he would have. I feel like he would have rewon the job this week if that counts. I think Clark Lee would have stuck with the guy that was the starter to begin the season. Um, because that's Clark Lee, but I think Jack Kaiser would have been in there right away. And at that point, if he was the the, the guy that was playing the best buck linebacker, right, he he, w- he would have stayed in. I don't know. We don't have it. We don't know. And now we won't know. No, we won't or, know. That's that's the key yeah. to the question's answer. We won't know if he will, would have started because he won't start. Uh, Notre Dame tweets: Any chance Brendan Clark has similar play count to Kevin Austin's this weekend? I mean, ultimately, there's you – know, yes, because Notre Dame should blow out Florida State and Brendan Clark should play. And I, I would think that if I was Notre Dame staff, I would want to see more of Brendan Clark than what I've seen so far, which is almost – well, nothing. Like, it's literally nothing, right? Like, he hasn't played one snap. He didn't play against Duke. He was unavailable against South Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. I wouldn't be surprised if they play the similar amount of snaps, and that doesn't mean 15 to 20. I'm not buying the 15 to 20 until I see the 15 to 20 from Kevin. You Austin. think it's five to 10? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't played in two years. He was injured and he was unavailable. And now he's got, they have other players too. Right. But we don't, we don't know what his, I mean, we don't know what the last two weeks have been like. Well, I guess no, we kind of do. We kind of do. I mean, I don't know. Like, Kevin Austin, can we, maybe we can. By a pass. Just let Kevin Austin catch a pass and then he can go play football again. Like it's, this is so. I'm writing right. a story about Kevin Austin. I'm like, oh my gosh, all these questions about Kevin Austin. What do you have to say about him? I mean, yeah, they I, little, that's the thing. He's, they need him desperately. <laughs> but I yeah, just don't real- think it's realistic. I don't think it's realistic that Ben Skoranek will be targeted six times in this game, coming back from a hamstring injury with three weeks off and not playing with Ian Book for the last week and a half or something like that. I mean, it's just, this is hard right now for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to move. I'm going to move. Yeah, run the ball. I'm going to move. <laughs> Well, and that, you know, that doesn't necessarily, I, I mean, I know that Florida State's D-line 
I mean, they haven't done anything really, really well, but that yeah. defensive line should be fairly formidable. I, I don't, I don't get that. I'm going to skip ahead to a question. I meant to move this up guys, but uh, from Gondorf over under Kevin Austin's involvement in offense with the line being Lindsay versus South Florida. Um, that's a good line. It is a good so, line. I'm not sure how I felt. I, I, I would say if you said Kevin Austin had three catches for 50 yards, I would say that would be a positive, a very positive development. Yeah, that would be great. Um, <laughs> I think Lindsay, I think they wanted to involve Lindsay more and they were winning by so much and didn't need him anymore. And he wasn't totally healthy. They didn't have to play much in the second half. Right. So you yeah. hope that's the same. You, I'll say Braden Lindsay was a bigger part of the game plan for South Florida. And you'll see that from Kevin Austin against Louisville. Yeah. I, I mean, to uh, set the bar, Len, Lindsay had three catches for 34 yards with a long of 22. He had a running play for three yards, which I predict Kevin Austin will not have a rush <laughs> attempt right. in this game. So yeah, um, Lindsay started. I don't know that we expect Austin to start, uh, but we have we have been speculating about Kevin Austin for for so long that it'll just be good, as you said, to just get on the field, catch a pass, and, and yeah. then we can speculate, I guess, more about how much more his his role expands. Well, then uh, I think forward. the speculation is fun and relevant. How much more can he be once we see him play football again? Yeah, they they have to integrate him. They just don't have to integrate him when he's not fully healthy. Braden Lindsay played twenty five snaps against. Uh, USF. Oh, 25. Yeah. They were it up 35 be, to nothing though. It, yeah. It won't be that much. I, I wouldn't anticipate it being that much unless what if they really need them? I mean, what <laughs> if the game's on the line? <laughs> then it's the fourth quarter and Nordame's up seven and they're in the red zone. You kind of want Kevin Austin on the field then you better save those 15 to 20 snaps. <laughs> <laughs> if he's on a snap count. Yeah. Yeah. Irish Cowboy 88. A lot of fans complain about quarterback development, quarterback regression during the Kelly era. What can't be questioned is book hasn't gotten consistently better than he was in his first few starts. And next year, Tyler Buckner's coming in with a boatload of talent, but questions about his mechanics. The question is, would Notre Dame benefit from an experienced, proven quarterback coach? I guess. Um, but you'll need a your, new offensive coordinator, your offensive coordinator then like <laughs> that would be a that would be a loss so i i don't know I, i'm not really sure how to answer this one because it's like has ian book gotten a lot better no um he you know nor has notre dame replaced miles boykin chase claypool and really cool Komet. so i you know I, i'm not really sure what 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 notre dame should do about that i would i would say that sticking with the Kelly Reese combination would make the most sense probably by a wide, wide margin. I think Buckner compared to book is apples to oranges and not fair yet either. We don't know how, I mean, Tyler Buckner can be fine. <laughs> well, Tyler, Buckner, to... Tyler Buckner is a much better prospect than Ian book coming well, into just college. Throw the, just throw the ball with the same throwing motion that, that made you a five-star prospect. It's right. really, that part is really not very complicated. I would say that, you know, I mean, I can't, Look, when a player doesn't develop, and it's like Jerkovic, was it Notre Dame's, did the coaching staff blow that one? Yeah, they absolutely did. Is Phil Jerkovic responsible? Yes, he is too. 
it, right. it's a two-way street. A, a, a coach is only as good as the player. The player has to step forward. Jakovic didn't at Notre Dame. He's doing it now. It's a combination of things. Notre Dame did not handle that. I mean, they just did. They did not handle that situation well. Right. It's your job to to develop a guy, and you felt like at times it was more about discouraging him than developing him. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know that we can declare Tommy Reese as the guy as the coordinator moving forward based upon Duke in South Florida. But I think the early re- returns have been pretty good. And if you want a different quarterback coach, you're going to need a different offensive coordinator because Tommy Reese will go somewhere else and be an offensive coordinator and still be the, the quarterback's coach. Notre Dame's best quarterback coach in a long time is the Green Bay Packers head coach. And Everett Golson turned the ball over 23 times when they were together as upperclassmen. So it's not always on the quarterback coach. As Tim says, the player is involved too. Matt yeah. LaFleur is pretty good coach. Everett Golson was a pretty talented guy. No one's ever played worse in one month of football than Everett Golson did. His last yeah, month of football, just, Notre Dame. I mean, I, it's, it's I, sort I, of gets, I, like evaluating assistance on a year to year basis yeah. based on the performance of the players is foolish it's, it's just, just impossible to get it I it's mean. it's unfair and i would say that lafleur is looking really good with the quarterback that he has at the controls <laughs> yes well that has always helped quarterback coaches too like joe montana you know paul hackett was a little better with joe montana than when he left yeah first <laughs> it, it first, does bell, work first bell at hall of fame quarterbacks make head coaches look good 99 out of 100 times <laughs> Denver Maximus, there was mention of this being the year for Lawrence Keyes, but we have seen very little from him through two games. It appears Avery Davis may have taken over the starting role. What are your thoughts on the slot position so far and the future role of Keyes? And add CMU Penn's fan to this. He was declared out for South Florida as part of the COVID group, so that derailed him. That is very true. Yeah, I mean, he's he's only had one game uh, to show anything. It was the Duke game. But having said that, I mean, we've talked about this. I don't think he's strong enough. And I, and, and I think that's, I think that's the difference between him and Avery Davis. And we saw the touchdown pass that Avery Davis caught in the end zone against Duke. And he absolutely was strong enough to make that play. That was a, that was a strength type play in the end zone. Although he was going against a DB that was banged up at that point, but um, he's needs to be stronger and more physical. And, and I, and I think that would, when that happens, he becomes a more explosive player. Look at Chris Tyree. I mean, look, that guy came in, that guy came in stacked and look at what he's capable of doing. And I agree with everything that you just said. And I, I would like to point out, cause we get things wrong too, but Tim said in the summer that Avery Davis would be the slot. And I said that the two tight ends would be the slot. And this is not a surprise for us other than, other than Lawrence keys hasn't made an impact yet going to his junior year. I, I, I like the player, but all summer long, I'm not sure where the Lawrence keys Right. I there know were that, signs. Actually, some people have said they should base the offense on keys and stuff like that. And or that not, not <laughs> keys, that position. That's that was never true. That was never a thing. The tight ends are better players. And Lawrence Keys has plenty of time to make some plays this year. He's not one of Notre Dame's best weapons right now, though. Avery Davis was trending. I mean, we I, 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 I mean I can the, the stories during the pandemic pandemic all run together, but when we said, I mean, I think Avery Davis was the our number one wild card choice um so no it's not a surprise lawrence keys needs to get stronger lawrence keys has has two years of eligibility after this one and it's like the just to put a point on like the slot question versus the second tight end isn't it's not just like a generic tight end it's it's right. patch tight end so it's like do you want to play avery davis or lawrence keys 
or do you want to play Tommy Tremble or Michael Mayer? Like that's not even a discussion to have. Which by the way, I want to point something out about the, the depth chart. Remember when people freaked out before the, the Duke game about the depth chart where people were listed, Isaiah Foskey is still listed as a third team Viper in. So don't worry about yeah, he gets the depth in there. chart. It just doesn't. I mean, Brock Wright is still the starter over Tommy Tremble. You think Tremble's going to get reps? I think Mayer is listed as an or with, uh, with Tremble and Takis. Like, with, all right. he, he's an or with Takis. Mayer is cool. listed fourth. He'll never play. They're not going to play Mayer against Florida State? Yeah. I'm, I'm having fun with people. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> Terry Benedict, two years ago, maybe even last year, we couldn't run a screen to save our life. This year, it's our go-to big play. How does that happen with basically no practices this offseason? The stumping question, actually. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think it's just weirder that they were not good at screens for nine years. That's probably the biggest surprise yeah, for me. I agree. To, I think now they're just effectively running screens. Yeah, it's like running a screen pad. Let's not make this out to be like Yeah, it's not splitting the atom for crying yeah. out loud. But I mean, I, it's like it, it's harder than the outside zone, which has been celebrated as like amazing running game revelation here. But like, it's just a screen pass. Like, it's a short pass and like – you let the defensive lineman come up, and then you move out, and you, you block somebody. I find it interesting, the, the, all the discussion from all the media outlets about outside zone. And it was just, it was, it was just like an, an, uh, an inquiry, a question that Brian Kelly elaborated upon and then took on a life of its own. <laughs> well, it's also fun. Every time you see them pull now, you're like, well, that's not outside zone. <laughs> right. I mean, other than <laughs> you're watching it happen, you're doing a film review, you're like, well, that's not outside zone. It's, it's actually, uh, yeah, it's been, you know, we've all watched the South Florida Duke game 487 times now because there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing else going on. Other than the Big 12. I really, I wrote about this. I really enjoyed my dalliance with the Big 12. But you're East done Duke with Kansas it now. State, and I, they, made some, they made some fun weekends for me. That was good. And now we never have to watch them again because they're out of the playoff hunt. Because uh, uh, Texas is giving up 58 in one game, and jeez, what a what a disaster! Um, yeah, I, I mean your wide receivers are hurt and they're not developing, and you've got tight end. Your other options are throwing it to tight ends and running backs. Um, I mean, is it a go-to play, or did they did they just click on one that went 75 yards in the Duke game? I mean, I, they did know, miss the, a 75 yarder as well, but everything about that. Absolutely perfect, other than the throw, which is supposed to be the easy part. It should be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that the quarterback has this dialed in, and it's always going to be a success when they do it. Uh, skipping that next question, Tim, go for it. Irish fan one fifty one. Who gets his first career Notre Dame touchdown this weekend? Austin Skaronic, Mayer, Keys, Wilkins, or none of the above? I put in none of the above. You did, yeah. <laughs> the pessimistic. <laughs> no, I just just to round out the question. Well, it's my answer, so that's not fair. Oh. <laughs> Pete, you got an answer to that? I will go with Skaronic and Mayer. I, if forced to choose one, I would go with Mayer. I'm definitely choosing Mayer because that's the one physical matchup. I mean, you know, you know, Mayor can win a matchup against any defense in the country, in a, in a one-on-one red zone situation. Yeah, I know Mayor's going to score a touchdown sooner rather than later, and a lot more. So I'm going to go with Mayor. And I don't like uh, I don't like Asante Asante Samuel matching yeah. up with Joe Wilkins. 
I don't know no? that that's a no. I don't. I don't know that that's a a, a fair fight there. Um, you know, and and Nas Nasruddin, the the safety. That's a strange. Isn't that kind of a strange situation? Although he did tear, tear his ACL last November and hasn't yeah, played. That's a that is another great Florida State defensive player that that hasn't played yet this year. Um, I wouldn't expect him to be back this weekend, but who knows? Brooks Beer one. Does Notre Dame have any interior defensive lineman who could end up being great? That's a good question. Do we have an answer? Yeah, I mean, one comes to mind with, I mean, Jacob Lacey's a sophomore that played as a freshman for a really good defense, although he kind of had to play. Um, I think I go back to our last podcast where somebody mentioned we overlooked Kurt Heinrich as a guy that could come back to play a fifth year and it, because of the eligibility rule, and I'm not sure that would make Jacob Lacey all that happy because this is, next year is his year, but I think Heinrich and Lacey are better together. Um do you have another interior guy? I mean, Riley Mills, we could just say, because we don't know what's wrong with him yet. Like, Yeah, I mean, great. Great, I, yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's a good stipulation. Cause great. I think that it's worth uh, looking at from the standpoint that Mills, Lacey, maybe, maybe Cross, like, I think are farther along at this stage of, this stage of their career than – Tagovailoa, Amosa, and Heinish were at the same stage. Um, I think they have a chance to be – they have some defensive linemen who have a chance to be better college football players than the guys that they've had the last couple of years. I yeah, think, I go ahead, Tim. Well, I, I don't – I mean, I think, I think Jacob Lacey is and will continue to be a, a, a very good interior defensive lineman. I don't know that I can say the word great. I, mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of talk about him playing three technique, which will probably eventually happen. Um, and he showed signs of that, of playing it well uh, in November of last year. So let's wait and see if I had to, if I had to pick one guy that I would put at the top of the list of being great. I think I would say Howard cross just because I know not, not height wise, but I know, physically and the way Mike Elston talks about him and the, the, the size of the hands and the, the way he uses them. I mean, I think that's the guy that I would say, although I'm certainly not convinced that he's, I mean, you know, he's going to develop into a great defensive uh, tackle. Yeah. The word great is well done because it actually limits you to all freshmen and redshirt freshmen, because we've seen Heinish MTA and Adam Iola be good. And we don't think they're going to be great. So you basically can't offer anyone other than a guy that has four years to go play football like Riley Mills and Howard Gross. There's, I mean, Riley Mills may never be better than MTA. We don't know, but he has a better chance of being great because MTA is running out of time to be great. Isn't that? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, yes, I would agree. And maybe the answer is Gabriel, Gabriel Rubio. <laughs> who's he not even has more time. Like the ultimate kick the can down the road answer. Right? Yeah, who's not, of course, like, not here yet. Isaiah Foskey has a chance to be great. And yes. no one on this podcast can be like, well, I don't know, great. Like, but no, he has a chance to be great. Yeah, he has a chance to be great. There's just nobody on the defensive line that I think we feel the same way about. Uh, as I look over the longer list here, um, I totally agree. I, I totally I think we agree. We would actually that. say Foskey will be great, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think he's 
already leading the team and quarterback he's already pressure. very, very good. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got twice as many quarterback pressures as anybody and he's tied for the lead in sacks. So um, yeah, I think he's, he's trending in that direction. Okay. And so we'll go to the last question since I was forced to remove the controversial one. <laughs> I'm calling you out, Jack Freeman. I'm calling you out, man. We're going to end with Brian nine, one, six, Oh, six. Tony Dungy or Mike Mayock, which is your favorite? I mean, Mayock kind of blowout. I Mayock is like my favorite anywhere, roughly. I mean, I think Herb Street does a really good job, um, but I thought Mayock's calls of Notre Dame games were excellent, and I always learned something when I listened to him. Um, which isn't to say that I didn't learn something from Dungy and I didn't learn something from Flutie, but like with Mayock, I felt like I was in a football class watching the game. And that, I, I guess NBC wasn't too jazzed about that part of it, but I thought it was awesome. Uh, Mayock's my choice, but I do like how Dungy kind of sets the stage of the play. I think I commented on this already in a film review. Mayock was the greatest and is probably is still the greatest at breaking down what went wrong for that player or what went right on that player on the play. I think Dungy does a good job of, of setting the stage as well. Like it's not as much scouting the one guy as he is the play, if that makes sense at all. Yeah. And I think it's comfortable listening to Dungy. Uh, It's a, it's a good duo with with the the play by play and, and, and him. And, but Mayock, Mayock did a great job in that he taught technically, but it made it easy for the, 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 the common, the average fan out there or average media person as well, you know, to get a real insight into what was happening without taking it to a level that, that went over your head. So, right. I mean, I, I agree. I, I think sometimes people felt those that, that weren't totally enthralled with him felt that he was a little, I don't know, preachy or I don't know. I don't know exactly what the word was. I, I He did rub some people wrong, but not me. I loved him. And I mean, you guys too. I, I think that, well, that's why he's a, that's why he's a general manager in the, the NFL. I mean, he's got a really great insight into the game and I thought he did a great job of breaking it down. I tend to like guys that are more critical than um, positive all the time. Kind of why I like watching guys in the NBA that nobody likes listening to. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the fetting of everything the athlete does at every play. I, I like some of the some of the serious analysis that some people give during the game. And I get it if you're home watching with family and friends, you don't want serious analysis that goes against Notre Dame. But I kind of enjoy it more, so that's probably why I'm always have a natural bent towards guys like that. Yeah, I, de- I mean, I that's I definitely enjoy it more because, I mean, I, I you know I I spent the, the first half of my life as a as a fan, and I still want Notre Dame to win, of course. But you know, it's I mean, we we look at this game from a different level, and it is our job to point out the positive and the negative, and and you know, Mayak did that. I will say that we know what happened most of the time we watch these guys not this year for tim and i have taken turns not knowing what happened as we watch the announcing crew so if you're a notre dame fan at home with your family and friends and having drinks you might get really 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 annoyed at the analysis that goes against your team when you're watching it live and they're losing to duke in the first quarter i get that but uh they'll never bother me i'd still rather see the, i'd still rather see the truth I don't, I don't mind people being critiqued of what they do i think it's like only only in notre dame do you have like the that's our announcers vibe happening in a fan base? Like no other fan base has that because there's not an NBC deal anywhere right, else. Right, um, right. That's a good point. So that I think that it, adds to it. But it 
it, it's NBC. Uh, you're not in correct. Uh, you're you're yes. not entitled to a Homer analyst. That's the way NBC looks at, and that's the way I guess we do in the media. But hey, to each his own. And uh, Mike Mayak is gone, and Tony Dungy is in, and he'll be enjoyable as well. We will get into uh, much more on Notre Dame, Florida State. Uh, As we get into our Thursday podcast, we appreciate you joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.